horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right. Well, we are heading into the holiday season, but there is still good racing on the card. Remember, a lot of people shuffle things from the weekend to like the day after Christmas. So that would be Wednesday. Uh, so keep an eye out for some uh, good stakes races on those days. I'm John Engelhart. You are listening to Winning Ponies. And uh, we've got a uh, very interesting uh, guest uh, out of the box gentleman by the name of Patrick Lawrence Gilligan. Now, if you've been following the races, you've been following a young rider of late by the name of Jack Gilligan. That is his son. And these, this book is about his life and then the adventures that he's had uh, with his son since uh, moving here to the United States. Uh, it's called Around Kentucky with the Bug, written by Patrick Lawrence Gilligan. Uh, he's had an interesting uh, tour of the world, shall I say. Uh, he was born uh, not far from the Bronx, and then at the age of five, relocated over to England. And where he lives, sooner or later, the he was got introduced to the, the horse business. <clears throat> and from there, uh, had attempts at being a jockey, but didn't, but ended up being a trainer. And, of course, his son watching his dad around uh, the the stables um, got the bug, as we shall say. And since then, you know, they started out over in England and then decided, let's, let's go over where the big money is. And so it's kind of a story of, you know, putting their toe in the water and, you know, trying to find out, racing at tracks like uh, – Belterra and Turfway and then kind of the thrill of, uh, you know, moving on to, to Keeneland and riding under the Twin Spires. And uh, right now he's right off Gentilly Boulevard. That's right. That's where the fairgrounds is located. But uh, it's a very interesting read. I must say uh, uh, Patrick Gilligan's quite a historian. Uh, he kind of takes you back and, and walks you through uh, different parts of racing uh, uh, from the perspective of uh, an Englishman, and then kind of all of a sudden he's over here riding at the pea patch. So uh, it's definitely been a, uh, a culture clash. So around Kentucky with the bug, once again, it's uh, it's Christmas time. I know you can get it at Barnes and Nobles and Amazon, and I'll tell you, it is a really fun read for sure. So Patrick Lawrence Gilligan will be our first guest. And our second guest will be Ryan Martin. Uh, he's our connection uh, this season down at the fairgrounds. And so if you are looking for action on Saturday, uh, that's where it is at. Um, I believe they have uh, six stakes on the card, maybe seven. Um, and so a lot of the races, especially the two-year-old races, these are going to be you know, pointing towards the LeCompte and the Louisiana Derby. You know, they're probably down there hoping maybe they can get some Derby points. So we're going to be looking at, uh, and Oaks points, let me tell you, because uh, we do have the uh, Sugar Bowl uh, for boys. And uh, then we've got the uh, the two-year-old Phillies going the Letelier Memorial. So, uh, again, we'll be talking with Ryan Martin. This will be his second time on 
the show. So uh, those are going to be our guests. And I want to remind you that when we look at these races at the fairgrounds, I'm telling you, man, there are no standouts. Uh, there's one race where four of the horses are nine to two and the favorite seven to two. You can't get much more parity than that. So uh, when you really need the help, come on over to winningponies.com because, you know, we will definitely help you with our easy win forms. We go from coast to coast and up to Canada and down to Florida. Uh, last week, speaking of Florida, uh, it was uh, just six days ago. Uh, we had a 50 cent Super 5 key that paid 2522 And if you go a little more south at Gulfstream Park, just uh, today, as a matter of fact, I'm getting my streaming information now, a $1 Super 5 key that paid 2389 and I've uh, been doing well in Florida. Uh, again, another winner this week at Gulfstream, a 50 cent super high five, 1589 Not very expensive, but can give you some big winners. You want to go to the easy win forms. And as always at the top of the show, I want to uh, thank uh, our friends uh, at Woodbine that helped sponsor this show. Uh, we've got to get back up there and talk with Sandy Hawley and some of the other uh, uh people associated with that track that has some big big plans for the future so that's kind of a look at the show and a look uh, a reminder for you to pull down your uh, easy win forms just don't pull them down for tomorrow at tampa bay downs uh if you've been watching the national news you've seen that the storms are a coming so with the anticipation of high winds and the heavy rain that's going to come they've already gone ahead and say hey we're going to save the track. There's no sense in getting out there, running one race, have it be dangerous for the horses and the riders, and bring everybody back. So uh, while it's open for simulcast wagering, and now they have poker, uh, they're going to lose a day of racing, but uh, they just say track maintenance is impossible. So no racing at Tampa Bay tomorrow. They're not sure, sure if it's going to be rescheduled, but they do have a full 10-race card scheduled for Saturday. Let's hope that they can get that in. Uh, very interesting. Now's the time of the year. I need to be asking a lot of people of this question is horse of the year debate. Uh, you know, we, we've got John Sadler, uh, who's the trainer of Accelerate. And uh, we've got, uh, you know, Bob Baffert with his Triple Crown winners. And uh, according to Sadler, he was quoted as saying there's they are two good choices, and that's what's really nice about it. But all I can do is make the case for my horse, who achieved many remarkable achievements this year, five grade ones, four at the classic distance of a mile and a quarter, and most of the time carrying the high weight from 122 to 126, which is not easy to do. Now, he won the $1 million TVG Pacific Classic. That was a grade one, but he won that race by the largest margin ever, 12 and a half lengths that a lot of good horses have come out of the Pacific Classic over the years. So he's won good races all year long against whatever horses they put against him. Uh, in the Breeders' Cup Classic, you will recall, he faced the best horses in this country and Europe and beat them all. And don't forget, he had a break from the outside post that day, post number 14. So uh, yeah, Sadler stating his case and, you know, uh, Baffert, laying his out you know he says uh 
you know, uh, he says, well, it's exciting to watch uh, Accelerate run, but sometimes it doesn't work out. He, he points out that Arrogate wasn't named Horse of the Year. With, uh, with Justify, they had six outs. Accelerate had seven outs. And Justify was undefeatist in one of the Kentucky Derby's toughest field ever. And, uh, you know, it's like he says, it wasn't Justify's fault he got hurt and was retired after winning the Belmont. Uh, so the voters will decide, but it's a very interesting debate. And again, I don't know if I'm going to have to check with some friends that are much smarter than I, which shouldn't be hard because most of them are. Uh, I don't know if there's ever been a Triple Crown winner uh, that was not voted Horse of the Year. Of course, uh, most of the Triple Crown winners were raced back in the day when uh, you know you you raced <laughs> you know till you were five or six, even if you were a colt. You know you weren't rushed off to stud. So uh, I would have to say that. Uh, it's going to be an interesting debate, but it would be really an eye popper if the Triple Crown winner wasn't Horse of the Year. Maybe the fact that it came so close to American Pharaoh's Triple Crown has something to do with some people's uh, ideas about it. So uh, don't forget, you get to vote for the NTRA Moment of the Year through the NTRA, and voting is open. So uh, the list came out last week, and uh, – it's really true. There's 12 choices uh, that involve a wide variety of events. It's not necessarily just a horse. Great victories, milestone events, uh, legislative changes, and uh, or perhaps the passing of an iconic uh, figure in the world of racing. You can go up and, and pull down the list. Of course, you got to rewind your memory uh, to the very beginning of the year and the final start of his year when Gunrunner turned in a brilliant performance as he fended off a bid from West Coast and captured the $16 million Pegasus. That is a, a big moment of the year. And how about sports betting coming to North America? That's going to change the whole face of the way racetracks are run, and hopefully some of that money will be trickled down uh, to us in the racing game. And then, of course, uh, you know, you've got the Justify. Uh, we didn't have to wait 37 years this time for another the Triple Crown winner after American Pharaoh's hat trick. But uh, Justify was just awesome in his career and did retire undefeated, and he broke the curse of Apollo by becoming the first horse since 1882 to win the Kentucky Derby without the benefit of a race as a two-year-old. And let's not forget his Preakness win in the Fog. That was just an unbelievable triple crown race. And... Uh, so uh, those are just a couple. Uh, you, you could go to ntra.com and uh, pull down the list, and you get to vote. And I want to give a shout-out to Alicia Wentz-Hughes, who will be moving to the NTRA. Uh, she spent the last two and a half years as a writer and the racing editor for the Blood Horse. I got to know her over the years from the times we spent up in the Keeneland press box and she really is talented and hardworking. All right, last week we had Abigail Fuller on with us and we took a look at some of the Gulfstream races. They had the best on Saturday. Let's take a look at those. The grade three named after one of my favorite horses of all time, the Harlan's Holiday going a mile and a 16th. Can you say upset time? Brian Hernandez Jr., last stayed on the rail stayed there got through at 25 to 1 and upset the 1 to 9 shot 
Audible from the Todd Pletcher barn. Remember last year he won the Florida Derby and the Holy Bull. He's uh, had a little bit of a race and was making a comeback off a win in the Cherokee run. One to nine and gets beat by Sir Anthony. Upset time. Apostle was third in that race. Uh, then the next up on Gulfstream, $100,000 grade three. It was the Rampart. And the winner in here, Tequilta. And uh, this horse was bred, owned, and trained by Michael Matz and his wife, Dorothy. Uh, it's a daughter of Union Rags. So th- she's going out on a high note because plans are to have her bred later in the spring. But nothing wrong with putting another grade three on the notch of your belt. Then the uh, 10th race at Gulfstream, another grade three, Dashing. Six furlongs. It was Dream Pauline, the three-year-old filly, making only her fourth lifetime start. Now her third win. Uh, She's had some layoffs in between her victories. Uh, Came in here off a third-place finish in the Dream Supreme at Churchill Downs and just lasted over Stormy Embrace. Remember that name. Here she is. She's already made 21 lifetime starts and has eight victories now. Uh, Stormy Embrace was coming out of the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint, where she just never was a factor. Uh, finished 11th pretty much where she ran the whole way around. But she's back on track at Gulfstream Park. She's a horse for course. She now has five wins from nine starts at Gulfstream Park. Stormy Embrace. Uh, no, no, I mean, not a win, but second, but Story Embrace really put in a good finish, and she's one that uh, that you're going to want to remember. Uh, then on to the 11th race, Whew, pretty impressive. The Irish bred, glorious empire, stole this race going from flag fall to that's all in the grade two Fort Lauderdale, a mile and eighth on the turf down there at Gulfstream. In the second spot was Corban, who uh, ran third in the Shadwell Turf Mile, and uh, rolling in for the third spot, High Happy, Todd Pletcher trainee. All right, that's a look at some of the bigger races that we handicapped last week. I told you about the fairgrounds races we're going to be looking at this week, but I'm really looking forward to this next segment with Patrick Lawrence Gilligan, who just finished writing the novel Around Kentucky with the Bug. So we're going to take a little bit of a break. I'm John Engelhart, and you're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. 
pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full field with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me right now, this was kind of a whirlwind uh, storm. Uh, my friend Leanne Crosley kind of tipped me off uh, to uh, Patrick Lawrence Gilligan and the book that he's written around Kentucky with the bug. And so I was able to get a hold of him. I was able to go get a copy of the book, and man, am I glad I have. And what's interesting is is I, I met uh, Patrick Gilligan I believe after his son's first win, I happened to be at Belterra Park, had my camera with me, uh, stat, snapped some uh, photos of uh, he and the family. So uh, I actually got to meet him before I got to interview him. But I'm telling you what, it's called Around Kentucky with the bug, and we're not talking about the flu. We're talking about his son, Jack, who started out as a bug boy here in North America. With no further ado, Patrick Lawrence Gilligan, welcome to Winning Ponies. Hi, John. Thank you for having me. Well, I, I know that you do a little bit of other writing uh, for uh, Gallup magazine, so you've had experience, and I know that uh, you did uh, attend college over there. But, but what I want to do is kind of let you tell the story. I, I touched on it briefly at the top of the show that you were actually you know, born within the shadow of the Statue of Liberty, practically, in Mount Vernon. And uh, so I believe about the first five years of your life were spent here uh, in America. And then uh, your, your mother brought you over to, to England. Do I have that correct? That's correct, yes. Well, tell us the story. Tell us your experiences. Uh, we'll work up to Jack, you know, in a few minutes. But I, I want to know about y- your growing up and obviously your exposure to horses, not only uh, riding them at, at first, but uh, eventually going on to be a trainer. Yeah, well, I suppose it, it came through my stepfather. Well, we, we moved to London originally, but when I was about 11, we moved out to the suburbs down to Epsom, actually, uh, at the home of the Epsom Derby. And uh, my stepfather was Irish and uh, had a great interest in the horses and horse racing. Um, and so we ended up heading off for some pony riding lessons and, and with me, the bug bit, and it stuck. And that was it then. I was uh, hooked on horses and ponies. And, of course, being around Epsom, it wasn't long before we became interested in horse racing. Um, so when I finished school, I became an exercise rider. Um and eventually, then, when I was probably in my late 20s, 
they had the first equine degree course in Europe uh, started, and I was lucky enough to get on that. Uh, did that, and from there went to Newmarket. Spent a couple of years breaking and uh, pre-training horses and buying yearlings and syndicating them, and then uh, took out my own license, and ended up training a small string of horses there for getting on for two decades, probably 17, 18 years, until we came to to the states. Well, you you, you have a, a a very welcoming writing style. Um, there was one segment towards the beginning of the book where uh, you, you talked about, uh, you know, that you could jump a pony over a five-foot obstacle without thinking, but you had never ridden a thoroughbred before, and mm. the, the the feeling that 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 was. Can you go back and describe that again? I know you you do in the book. I know. Well, uh, um, they're just they're bigger, they're stronger, they're faster, they're handled by professionals. Um, they were a whole different machine to your average riding horse. You know, there's a world of difference. There really is. Um, and, uh, you know, they're excitable. Uh, so, the, you know, riding a pony was one thing, uh, but really I had to start again. Um, and, of course, there's a different style of riding to, to just normal English equestrian style, going to the, uh, pulling, your, pulling your stirrup irons up and uh, hovering over them. Uh, so, really, you know, it was frustrating at first. I thought I could ride and realized I couldn't. Um, but uh, you stick with it like everything else. When you're young, you just keep trying away and uh, you get there. Um, and it's a wonderful feeling uh, to be sat on a thoroughbred at a gallop. Now, uh, uh, let's go ahead. Continue. No, that was it. Um, I, I was just wondering now. Was it just kind of a natural thing? Did did uh, Jack start uh, jumping in the back seat of the car and going to the yard or wherever it was uh, you were yeah, working with horses? Yeah, they, in where we were in Newmarket, our, our house and stables were integrated. So we had our own stable yard and our, our own house. Uh, so the first day Jack came back from the, from the hospital from being born, uh, he was in a stable yard. <laughs> and uh, the first thing he saw when he came out of the house was a thoroughbred head over the stable door. So it really, it really was for him. He he really was uh, born into it, and it was the first the first horse he ever sat on. I think he must have been probably four when we put him on it, and that was a graded stakes winner. Wow! Um, so he's been he's been near. Yeah, we didn't leave him on his own with it. <laughs> we were leading him. But, uh, yeah. But yeah. So, but he was just there the whole time, you know, it's, it's just, uh, it's funny, because I'm an outsider to the sport, I still, um, you know, look on it as a, uh, a big thing, um, but for Jack, I mean, he, he'd ride a treble at Turfway and come home and have a cup of cocoa and go to bed, you know, if, if I had a double in England as a trainer, I'd be out celebrating for a week, but for Jack, it's just uh, business as usual. Now, obviously, uh, uh, you kind of outgrew the saddle, uh, but uh, I've seen Jack, and doesn't look like he really has to uh, fight the weight or, or anything like that. And like I said, I do believe his first win was that day at Belterra. So, and you know, uh, which is no blemish, because as I pointed out to you, many a good rider started his career in that area. And then, uh, you know, I believe he cut his teeth over in the 
some of the harsh winter of, of Turfway, and then eventually you got to go to the Vatican of thoroughbred racing in North America, uh, Keeneland, and you kind of describe Keeneland in a beautiful way, what the feeling was to, to, to be there and to, to see Jack ride. Yeah, well, um, like I always say, we, we liked Keeneland more than it liked us at first. Uh, Jack <laughs> obviously found it tough there. It's tough for a bug there. Um, but it was wonderful to be part of it, and he, he enjoyed every moment of it, and he still rides there every meet and uh, still gets bangs in the odd winner there. Um, uh, but Keenan uh, is, well, everyone who's been there knows how beautiful it is. It's, um, um, it's kind of all the best bits that you can imagine of horse racing is there. It's, um, I feel it's very well run. It's very friendly. Um, and uh, it's just a very beautiful place. It's a nice setting, isn't it, for horse racing? And, of course, very high-quality horse racing to, to watch as well. Well, it, it's one of my all-time favorite tracks. The other one is, and I'll ask you if you've been there yet, is Saratoga. Well, if I get around to writing another book, which I hope I will, it's going to be called On Summer in Saratoga. Um, when I finish writing the book... Um, uh, Jack told me in no uncertain terms that I need to start looking at a paying job, not just uh, messing about writing books. Um, so I went off and uh, I actually wrote to Kenny Mapeak um, because Kenny, uh, I'd seen that he had runners in Europe and I thought, well, mate, at least I've got the experience of Europe, um, so maybe we could do something. And he was kind enough to offer me a job as an assistant and I ended up spending last summer uh, in Saratoga as his assistant. And uh, it was an absolute blast, and we were lucky enough to pick up the Alabama Stakes with uh, Eskimo Kisses. Yes, um, yes. We had a very good meet. And do you know where Kenny saddled his first winner? No, I don't know. Where? Cincinnati, River Downs. I'm telling you. Oh, did you really? Good- Yes. <laughs> I, I, I dug up the video when they were tearing the track down. I saved it for him and gave it to him at Keeneland one day. Uh, he actually had hair down to his shoulders. I wish I still had the picture. Because, <laughs> you know, he, he doesn't have hair down to his shoulders please, anymore. Please send it to me. Please send it to me. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Well, um, my producer's telling me we got about a minute to our break. So uh, what I'd like to do uh, is uh, remind people, again, it, it, it's around Kentucky with the bug. It's really a great read uh, for – you don't have to be a horse lover. You just have to be interested in an intertwining family and uh, the connection between a father and son and, uh, as Americans, a, a venture across the, the, the frontier – uh, of North America and seeing it through somebody else's eyes. Uh, that, that's what's uh, so so nice, Patrick, I must say. So I want to remind people before we go to the break so they can get their pencils out uh, because we'll, we'll repeat it again before the end of the show is uh, where they can get the book. I know this one I'm holding in my hand was from Barnes & Nobles. Of course, Barnes & Noble and Amazon seem to be the two major places and they can in fact get around Kentucky with the bug written by you at both of those outlets, correct? That's correct, yes. Great, great. In, uh, hardcover, paperback, and uh, Joseph Beth, which are active in Cincinnati, I believe. Uh, they're, they're stuck in the book as well, I think. Great, yeah. Very well-known, uh, very classy store. Hey, have you set up any book signings anywhere? Uh, I'm at Fairgrounds on Saturday doing my first book signing. We're, me and Vicky are going to be with Jack for Christmas, 
the Jacks riding at fairgrounds. Um, so uh, they were kind enough to uh, allow me to do that. And Joe Christofek's been very good down there. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. Great. Uh, okay. Well, listen, we're talking with Patrick Lawrence Gilligan uh, around Kentucky with the bug. Of course, his son is Jack Gilligan, Gilligan an up-and-comer, who uh, will be looking at the fairgrounds races later this evening, and uh, he's uh, riding in a couple of the stakes races down there. So we're going to take a quick break. We're talking with Patrick Lawrence Gilligan. I'm John Engelhart, and you're listening to Winning Ponies. <laughs> The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. With me, Patrick Lawrence Gilligan, author of Around Kentucky with the Bug, uh, the bug being his son, Jack Gilligan, a, a fine gentleman, an ever-improving rider that's getting noticed on the uh, the bigger track scenes. Um, I, Patrick, uh, earlier in the day, um, I had a chance to, to speak with Jack, and uh he he's as well spoken as you. I must say, you've done a very good job at uh, at bringing that uh, that young man up. But uh, what what I I'm, I'm going to guess you're going to co-sign the main things he said, and that um, from g- growing up uh, in in England and making the commitment to come over here and dedicate himself to, to a career uh, in North America, uh, these are the three main things that stuck out in our conversation. That he said it was a leap of faith. That it's also a huge learning curve and a big difference in lifestyle as well. Would you co-sign those statements? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, 
uh, we didn't know what to expect when we came. No idea, really. I'd never worked in North America um, uh, and never been involved with the racing industry here. Um, and uh, for Jack to, you know, Jack was working for a, a big stable um, in the UK and just getting going over there, his, his second career mount was a winner for me. And his last career mount was a winner um, at Yarmouth. He won four from 26 over there and I think 11 placed. And, you know, field sizes are big over there. Um, and um, so he was giving up a lot um, because he was known in Newmarket. Um, uh, people had seen him riding out since he was 13 years old out on the heath. Um, so it'd be like being a kid being at Belmont and taking off to Europe to ride his riding career instead of sticking around. Uh, and of course, when he did come here, uh, he was five foot nine. Um, people thought he was pretty tall. And in an ideal world, we'd have waited a while before he started race riding so he could establish himself and become known by people. Um, but, you know, my brother's six foot four. I'm six foot. <laughs> touching it anyway and uh, we weren't sure if you was the age of 16 you might just suddenly shoot up and, and that would be the end of his career so we we wanted him to at least have a, a, a good bite of the cake um, so we just got on and got riding and got on with it and, uh, Chris McCann was very good when we came over um, and uh, you know people especially at the thoroughbred centre at first were very good to him Jimmy Corrigan was great um, and you know, you just get on with it. He's young. Um, everything was different. All the terminology is different. I mean, I'm working for Kenny now, and uh, uh, every, every single piece of equipment has a different name over here. So uh, uh, it is it is a steep learning curve, but it's a it's a worthwhile one for him and for me. Uh, but for for Jack especially, uh, to see the two different styles racing, two different views on how to race ride. It's very different here, and um, if he ever ended up back in Europe, uh, I think what he's learned here will be a, a great advantage. Um, well, I, I wanted to ask you a, a question. You know, it could be a the the learning curve too. In the riding style is absolutely different in Europe and then here. Uh, if, if you turn the clock back, Steve Coffin had to adapt to the European style of racing, which. Obviously, he did very well. I'm sure you recall uh, seeing him ride over in Europe. I do. Uh, but uh, he actually, he and Cash Asmussen, uh, who were top uh, North American riders, uh, changed the way they rode when they went over to Europe. Have you noticed that Jack has kind of changed his style of riding to adapt to the American way since they've been here, or has he stuck with his uh, English style? I'd always encourage Jack to watch Steve Cawthon anyway. I thought he was a, he was a wonderful rider to watch. And, uh, Jack always tried to take a bit of an American style, but what he's done is he's tightened it up and, uh, um, you know, uh, it just keeps working on trying to master it as much as he can. So I think out of most of the European riders that are here at the moment, Jack probably looks about the most American. I would hope anyway. I think he does. Uh, he rides quite flat back, quite quite level. He tucks in small for for a big rider. Um, so he, yeah, he's consciously worked on developing an Amer- a pure American style. 
Now, who have been some of the positive influences on Jack since he came here, either uh, taking him under his wing and help him to, to get mounts or to teach him things about what's going on out at the track here in North America? Well, I think Chris McCarron uh, was great. Um, and uh, like I say, Jimmy Corrigan very early on. Uh, the Sims family, Phil Sims and Matt, they've been uh, wonderful to Jack. And uh, he, when he spends time with Matt, they talk a lot about horse racing. Um, so there's, there's many people. It'd be hard to pull, pull one or two out for special mention. Ron McKett, I know he pulls Jack's leg a lot, but uh, Jack loves him and uh, he's taught him a lot. He, he Gave him a lot of support over at Churchill there and won some nice maidens, you know, like on petrols and horses like that of a higher caliber. Um, so there's a lot of people who have helped. Most people have been helpful, really. If, if, if Jack's needed it or asked, um, people have been very good. Yeah, we had a little bit of conversation, too. I uh, was at one point in my career the publicity director at the fairgrounds, so I spent time down there. And... Uh, he 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 said it before I did. He's like, this seems to be the most European city in America, and believe me, it is. But Louisiana is not only a different state; it's almost like a different country. I don't know if you've had a chance to spend any time in uh, New Orleans yet. We 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 went there last Christmas, and while we're on the subject, there's one Cajun rider I really should mention: Robbie Alvarado, who Jacks sits next to in the, the, the jocks room at Keenan and Churchill and he really has schooled Jack and helped him an awful lot and he's always watching his races and telling him when he does it right and telling him when he does it wrong so that's another day he's a Cajun rider so um, uh, we went there last Christmas Jack was there last last Christmas and me and Vicky went down and we, we adore the place and I'm heading off there tomorrow um, and so is Vicky uh, so yeah, we, it is very European. It feels European. We commented commented on it. Um, it it's lovely that it's a walkable city. Um, great food. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it, it is. So uh, make sure you bring your appetite. Uh, it's a marvelous <laughs> place. <laughs> uh, uh, when uh, when you get down there, I could recommend a few places for sure. And uh, all I can say is you you will truly enjoy it. Well, uh, Patrick, uh, all I can say is uh, that it has been a pleasure talking with you. Uh, it has been a uh, marvelous experience reading your book, and uh, I look forward to uh, getting the last few chapters under my belt and then sharing this book with some friends of mine. Again, it's called Around Kentucky with the Bug. Patrick Lawrence Gilligan is the guest we're talking to and the author of the book. Some great life experiences. And uh, I'm, I'm sure, again, this isn't a book that has an end because we, we hope that Jack goes on uh, uh, to uh, a whole other book of himself of the, the success and life in the times of uh, uh, <laughs> of uh, Jack Gilligan. And uh, it's nice to know you hooked up with a guy like uh, Kenny McPeak. Uh, and make sure you tell him that uh, John Engelhardt said hi to him the next time you see him, okay? I will for sure, John. Thank you very much. All right, thank you. We've been talking with Patrick Lawrence Gilligan, author of Around Kentucky with the Bug, dad of Jack Gilligan, who's riding down at the fairgrounds. And speaking of the fairgrounds, 
we want to head down there now and talk to uh, our friend Ryan Martin. It's going to handicap some of the top races that they have there on Saturday. I'm John Engelhart, and you're listening to Winning Ponies. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com The home of the easy win form The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races Don't worry, let WinningPonies.com make some money for you Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full field with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. If I had a million dollars... All right, and, and with me, he was a first-time starter the last time I talked to him, but he's not anymore. He's going to be embedded in Winning Ponies, and we have his number. So as the bigger races heat up at the fairgrounds, we're going to be reaching out to Ryan Martin, but I'm reaching out to him right now because, actually, the once again, the best racing this Saturday is going to take place at the fairgrounds with a slew of racing. I don't know how quick we're going to be able to get through it, but I'm going to try but I'm telling you what, Ryan Martin, welcome back to the show. I've been handicapping these uh, the races uh, you, you pick for us, and there's only one race where I see this horse is probably the one to beat. Basically, other than that, there's no real standout. Um, I love the two-year-old races, and I really want to make sure we get to that maiden race at the end of the card. The breeding's like, you know, like they walked out of the Keeneland sales ring and stepped onto your track. Um so, once again, welcome back to, to Winning Ponies, Ryan. Day of racing on Saturday. It's nice to have the fairgrounds and uh, to be in the spotlight uh, once again. And I'm going to be honest with you, John, and I'm not just saying this to be biased, but this is the best card I have seen the fairgrounds draw on a non-Risen Star Louisiana Derby Day ever. I mean, and, and it's not, and 
when I say that, I'm not just talking about the stakes races. I'm talking about the maiden races, uh, the allowance races for two-year-olds. I, I mean, there's really not a bad race on the card. I mean, you've got some, some potential superstars uh, making their career debuts. Uh, in some of these maiden races. And, I mean, I wish I had more time to, to talk with you because I could talk all day about some of these races. I know. We actually cut a couple races out of the segment so we could get it in. So let's, ju- let's jump right into it because I, I want to help your handle here. Uh, I want to say the Ledley Memorial, uh, 75,000, six furlongs. This is how even this race is. Four of the horses are listed at nine to two. And the favorites at seven to two. Now, there's no standout in here. You got to point me in the right direction. I'm going to try to, John. And and by the way, it's pronounced Letlier. I, you know, it's welcome to New Orleans. I, I learn something new every day down here with all the pronunciations of of, of French words. I spoke with trainer Neil Pesson, uh, who trains the two horse in here, Bell's the one, and I thought it was pronounced Letelier, but apparently it's pronounced Letlier. Uh, so, uh, but anyways, as far as the race is concerned, it's a very wide open race. I mean, you've got, uh, you've got two horses in here that are undefeated in two starts and have both beat winners, uh, last out, uh, these horses that of course I'm referring to are Bells, the one, the two, uh, trained by Neil Pesson and, and, uh, the eyed hour, uh, for, um, for trainer, uh, for trainer Brendan Walsh. And, and, you know, these are, these are nice, these are nice horses here. Uh, you know, I talked to Brendan, uh, about, about I- idle hour rather earlier, uh, yesterday. Uh, he said that ever since they turned the screw on her and her morning works, she's been a different horse. Uh, she certainly outran her 10 to one odds last out, uh, with a gliding four and a half length victory. Uh, he's also represented here by the one in here, Q Go Girl, a horse who broke her maiden first time out for a $75,000 tag. He said that they liked, they've liked her all along. They just wanted to give her some lesser competition to run against to give her some confidence. And, you know, she went out, uh, you know, she, she sat right off the pace and then took command and then uh, managed to keep the uh, eventual runner-up at bay. So she, you know, don't, don't pay attention to the fact that she was in for a tag. This is a nice one as well. And, Quality Road is, is, in my opinion, the best sire in North America. But I'm going to tell you something. Uh, this horse here to the outside, Unholy Alliance for Brad Cox is another one. You know, there's plenty of speed in this race, and I think that'll, that'll suit Unholy Alliance pretty well. All right. Well, we're going to speed along so I don't leave anybody out. We can always go back and review. Uh, how's the weather report? Because the Blushing KD is scheduled to go a mile and a 16th on the turf. Last I checked, we should be good, but it is currently raining in the Big Easy as we speak. All right. Well, in this race, once again, uh, no real standout. The the tepid favorite, Florent Giroux, will be up on Take These Chains and Irish Bread, uh, trained by your former employer, I believe, Brad Cox. That is correct. Uh, fun fact, I hot-walked for Brad Cox. Uh, for about a month and a half. And one of the horses that I actually hot-walked uh, was a horse by the name of Exclamation Point, who is a half to Classic Empire. And uh, I will just say he was not the easiest of horses to work with. <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, take these chains. Uh, looks like, I mean, it's a wide-open race, but nevertheless, if there's any horse in here that's the one to beat, I would say that it's her. You know, she, 
proved she can overcome a lengthy hiatus last out. You know, she won pretty easily. You know, she didn't, um, you know, she, she didn't really have much trouble uh, that time out. Uh, an improving horse in here is Superiority Complex for Mike Stidham. Uh, this one beat winners last out uh, and, and faced a, a, a fellow winner in Dubara, who's still uh, seeking her first win in the U.S. Dubara for Brendan Walsh, also in the race. Um, I would give the, the, I would give it to take these chains, though, take these chains, uh, for, for Brad Cox. I mean, she just looks like affiliates in the right direction. She's got a royal pedigree. Uh, she's out of a, a graded stakes winning broodmare. And she's got, I mean, she, and I believe that good magic is in her family as well for what that's worth. It's worth something for sure. Okay. Speeding <laughs> and along. And a award winner in your, in, in your pedigree, that's worth something. Yeah. I think so. All right, we're going to mile and 70 yards. The Tenacious, 75,000, a mile and 70 yards. And I guess this would be the one race that you have to say if there was a bit of a standout, it would be Tom's Datat. Obviously, a horse that's had some issues during its career. It's five years old now. It's only made eight lifetime starts. But Al Stahl likes to take his time. It was only had one start this year, but man, it came back in November with a bang up race, winning by seven at Churchill. Uh, I believe he's one of your few favorites, though there's still plenty of horses nipping at his hooves in this race. Certainly, uh, uh, John. Now, I would say that he's definitely not a standout. Uh, I mean, he's, well, I shouldn't say that he's not a standout, but he's also not a single. Um, he's, he's definitely a standout when you look at his form, the fact that he came back off, you know, like take these chains, a lengthy hiatus, uh, but really, really, um, I mean, just made it look like nothing against a fellow competitor in here in Pioneer Spirit. Uh, Al likes the horse a lot. I spoke with uh, Greg Benzel, the racing manager for the Bensons the other day. He likes the horse a lot, uh, so much so that last year they were contemplating running this horse against Gunrunner in the Woodward Stakes. And from what Greg Benzel told me, they think that this horse would have given Gunrunner a run for his money. Maybe not have beat him, but at least made it a little bit competitive. Uh, now, fun fact on this horse, uh, the Grand Dam, uh, his name is Candy Kane, and she is a full to Candy Ride. So this is a horse that is most certainly uh, bred to be a very good horse, but lightly raced for a five-year-old. I would definitely make Tom Zittat my pick. But Snapper Sinclair is another one in here that's interesting as well. Jeff Bloom, I spoke to him the other day, and uh, he's got some hopes that this one can make some noise in the older horse division next year. All right, and it does have uh, graded stakes experience. Uh, was just beaten by Bravazo in the Risen Star last year, so it likes the fairground strip. All right, because I don't want to leave the And third. that race broke... That race broke my heart because I had a big double for with Synchrony, who won the, the race before, and I used three long shots, and Snapper was one of them, and that double would have paid a few thousand. All right. We got three minutes to knock out two races because I really want to get to the 13th. Uh, Let's the, do it. The, the, the Sugar Bowl, two-year-olds, Super Steed seems to be an interesting story here from the Larry Jones barn. Yeah, Super Steed's a nice horse. Larry seems to have a lot of confidence in this one. You know, ran a real a, a knockout good race, a six-length six win against winners. He broke his maiden in an optional claiming race against winners, uh, one of which was the horse that beat him in his career debut. 
So that's definitely interesting. Hog Creek Hustle is another one that, that is uh, pretty highly regarded. And I've been speaking to Wayne Catalano a lot lately, and he really likes Manny Wah a lot. Uh, he seems to think that this one can be uh, a, a nice horse. And I'm going to tell you, if you see him in person, he looks just like his dad will take charge. He has that massive white blaze. Oh, I love it, man, and I loved him. Okay, here's the race you kind of threw me a curve on because you wanted to talk about it, and I love it. It's a maiden special weight. It's race 13 on this huge card Saturday at the fairgrounds, and all I can say is you better not handicap this race without a catalog page in front of you on each horse. Exactly. When it comes to maiden races like this where you get a lot of first-time starters, you have to go off of pedigree. And one of the horses that I like in here, based off of pedigree, is Kornakia for Brad Cox, a son of Tappet out of Graded Stakes winner, Great Hot. Uh, I spoke with the Cox Barn. Uh, they really like this horse a lot. You know, Cox is sharp with first-time starters. Uh, the horse breaking just to its outside is Milton Town, a GMB racing uh, colt, uh, who, who they seem to have some pretty high hopes on as well. And, and Joe Sharp, training one for, for Gary and Mary West, free speech. Uh, another one that's pretty highly regarded first out. Well, Ryan Martin, uh, you have been fantastic. I wish I had more time uh, to talk with you, but this this thirteenth race is just through the moon. I mean, you could you could uh, you, you could hit the all button the, on this race. You really could. There's only a, there's so many in here you can make a massive case for. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, between the breeding and so many of them that are two-year-olds that have shown bullet works and a, a bit of fondness for the fairground strip, it's going to be a very interesting race. Well, all I can say is, folks, fairgrounds, you're going to want to zoom in on Saturday. There is extreme value. Get with some buddies because you're going to want to spread pretty wide on your pick threes, etc. because uh, there's a lot of value down at the fairgrounds this Saturday. Ryan Martin, thanks a million for joining us again. Greatly appreciate it. Absolutely, John. Thanks for having me. I'll be back in touch. Also, I want to remind everybody, Around Kentucky with the Bug, written by Patrick Lawrence Gilligan. Uh, you can get it on all your Barnes & Nobles, Amazon, Amazons, etc. Uh, it just makes for a really great read. He's really a fantastic writer. So, again, uh, all of you have a safe, have a happy uh Holiday, Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever you like to call it, uh, but it's, it's, it's time that we bring the family together, and I enjoy this family of racing that joins us every week here on Winning Ponies. Be sure to share it with your friends if they couldn't listen to the show live. Listen to a, a podcast. I want to thank my producer, Josh. Wish him the best and have a happy new year. We will be back here, though, on the 27th, so don't forget us. I'm John Engelhart. Merry Christmas. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.